What's up, everybody? Ryan back again with another episode of the ATX Metal Podcast and another installment to Kick It With Kitty. This one sounds like it's going to be a good one just from the name alone, Bondbreaker. Uh, Kitty sits down with her best friend and inspiration, G of Bondbreaker, and they discuss how G fell in love with heavy music, the evolution of Bondbreaker, and their bend of punk and metal. And I've heard a little taste of this music. <laughs> I'm here for it. Uh, they also talk about what the future holds for the band. Uh, just taking a little snapshot off of their website, they're from Austin, Texas, and they intersect grime, noise, and metal to create hardcore psych range punk rock. I'll just let that I'll let that marinate for a little bit. So let's go ahead and get to the episode. Uh, with, but before we do, shout out to Come and Take It Productions and Come and Take It Live. Head over to ComeAndTakeItProductions.com or ComeAndTakeItLive.com. Hit the events calendar tab. Check out all the lovely music coming to the venue here over the next handful of months and uh, buy some tickets. But if you do, remember, support local, buy your tickets from the homies. That puts money back in their pockets and it lets the ven- venue know that you care about the band. <laughs> so anyway, here we go. Kick it with Kitty. Bomb Breaker. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Kick It With Kitty, a segment of the ATX Metal Podcast. My name is Gerilyn, also known as Hurricane G. I am the front woman and cowbell player for Bondbreaker. I'm your host, Kitty. I am beyond honored to have one of my very favorite people, very favorite bestie, very favorite vocalist, front woman composer here. Thank you so much, G, for being here. Thank you for having me, Kitty. This is awesome. I've always wanted to be on your podcast. So the honor and pleasure is mine. So I want to use this time to tell a story. And you've already heard the story, but I want to share it on the podcast. So G's bandmate, I actually knew G's bandmate, Kieran, from when he was in a band called Vex way back in the day, like almost a decade ago. And, you know, I've been knowing him for a while, like, floating around the same circles, And someone, you know, told me, hey, you know, Karen's dating someone new. He seems to be really happy, really serious. And they said it was you. And they mentioned you, you in the context of your music. And my first thought was, wow, you know, like, I was like, she's really big here in Austin. I was like, I don't know if she'd want to talk to me. So I'll just stay out of her way. <laughs> but you were so kind to me when I met you for the first time at we met a long time ago, but we talked a lot at Come and Take It and Kick Butt, and I'm super honored just to call you my friend. Oh, <laughs> I love you. You're amazing. Thank you. I love you. I love you. We're giving each other a virtual <laughs> hug. And I think I spilled the beans as well on, you know, Karen, another member of Bondbreaker, these uh, band. And uh, can you tell us who the other members of your band are? Yeah, absolutely. So our drummer is Patrick Van Bagel. We call him Mr. Patrick or sometimes Uncle Patrick. He's amazing. He was in a band with me called Sugar Pills several, several years ago. 
Um, and our other bandmate is Thad Stevens, who we call Mad Rat Thad, Mad Thad, the genius. That's what I call him. And now he knows that. Yes, Thad, I do call you genius. Um, he's our bass player. Um, he's in amazing tech rock bands. I mean, the guy literally is a virtuoso on the bass. So it's pretty awesome to have those two guys alongside, you know, me and my husband playing some really awesome, awesome music. Oh yeah. My husband is Kieran. (laughs) Fun tidbit. Kieran was my very second guest on this podcast with his current band, Edwantin. This Invisalign's killing me. Um, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I hope it gets better. I know that it's a whole process of like different trays and stuff like that. Yeah. You can't understand me at any point. Just let me know. Uh, What? (laughs) What? (laughs) You're doing just fine. (laughs) So I must editorialize and say Bond Breaker has just been tearing it up lately. So, G, in March, you all were on the official South by Southwest Festival. So one of the official bands. And then right after that, you went on a mini tour of like three or four different cities in Texas. Three. Mm -hmm. San Antonio. uh, Yes. San Antonio, San Marcos. And we came back to Austin. What was your very first mini tour? Just so much fun. Um, you were at the Gray Horse. I haven't gotten to go to. I would love to someday. You kicked, you ended it at uh, our home base, Kick Butt Coffee. Mm-hmm. Did anything like crazy happen to you when you were doing your mini tour? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, just to preface, like I've never been on tour before, like at all. I've done like maybe a weekend show out of town. Like we played uh, in Sugar Pill, we played in Bryan at Revolution Bar, which was a lot of fun. Um, But this was the first time where I was hanging out with my boys and like we booked everything. And our friends in Dick Medusa, we were providing direct support to those guys because um, one of the members, you know, came all the way from Salem, Massachusetts. So his bandmates, you know, they got the booking down in San, San Antonio at Faust. Um, and then we just kind of picked up the rest of the way. So yeah, I won't get into great detail about it, but basically Faust was an awesome show and I thought it was a great time. I got a little crazy. So that's the crazy thing that happened. I, uh, I had a really good time. I'll put it that way. And then the next day we went to San Marcos, went to the Great Horse Saloon, and I always love playing there. I would have to say the craziest thing that happened there was just being in a room of very young people. It looked like these folks were in a, like they were a family. And I was like, okay, these 20, like young, 20 year old, young looking people who I think are either cousins or sisters and maybe daughters of this older couple, they're just staring at me. And I, I get it. Like, it's really weird to see some woman wielding like chains in front of you. So the craziest part was just me getting all up in their face and just kind of 
breathing my hot, furious air at them. <laughs> but they actually really liked it. Like after the set, even though I thought they were deeply uncomfortable, they actually like really enjoyed everything that was happening to and at them. Next day, we went over to Kick Butt Coffee, which is like, I just love that place so much because I mean, my gosh, like Danimal, Ernie, you know, Alyssa even popped in very briefly. Like those people are just the salt of the earth. And I had a really good time playing that venue. The craziest thing about that show was we actually got a rapper to perform. So he was a part of this really intense, heavy music based lineup. And he got up there and wrapped his ass off and it was awesome. So, you know, the whole thing was um, a learning experience. I learned a lot of what not to do. I learned a lot of what you should keep doing. And I learned how to better communicate with my band. Um, there were a few moments where I just really I didn't, I didn't realize how much I would need them until I needed them. And I think that comes with you being in a van together, you going through trials and tribulations together. And I think, you know, hopefully for the future, our relationship will be even stronger musically and personally. So that's what happened. I'm not going to lie. I've, this whole time I've been laughing about the deeply uncomfortable, but enjoying thing. Because that is how I feel all the time. (laughs) But you actually made a really good point. Um, When I see you on stage with your bandmates, you have a really good dynamic with them. uh, And you have a really great dynamic with the audience. You're just an amazing front person. And you had kind of told me a while back about, you know, getting into rock and metal when you were young. But do you want to share that for our podcast listeners? Sure. Yeah. I really didn't get into rock and roll until I was about 12 or 13. Um, My mom and I had moved from Houston back to Galveston, Texas. And I was just one of those new kids, you know, it's the same old story. Tale as old as time. You're ostracized. You're sitting in the cafeteria by yourself, wishing that you have friends, that sort of situation. So about a year and a half later, I, you know, got into middle school and this really, really cool uh, person named Bevan Reagan sat next to me in the band hall because I wanted to learn how to play an instrument. And I chose clarinet and she and I sat down and we were just talking one day. She was like, you know, what do you listen to? What do you like? And I was like, oh, you know, whatever. I like Nirvana, I like Alice in Chains, I like Pearl Jam, whatever. And she's like, okay, well, if you like them, then you probably like Jimi Hendrix. And I was like, who's that? And she looked at me like I had three heads and I was like, oh, um, I know I'm supposed to know who that is. She's like, it's fine. If you don't know who it is, as soon as you can get a CD of his, because yes, I'm that old CDs were a thing. (laughs) So we, uh, my mom and I went to a record store and She was like, pick whatever you want. And the very first CD that I ever bought was Jimi Hendrix Voodoo Soup. And it was, or it is an album that highlights a few of his recordings that were released posthumously. And the very first song on there, I 
I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think it's new, new rays of the rising sun. I mean, that first chord, that first chord made me fall in love with rock and roll. I had heard grunge, you know, of course you hear Chris Cornell and you're going to lose your mind, but there was something in that guitar that just woke me up. And from that day forward, I've been obsessed with Jimi Hendrix and anything related to rock and roll, really. So that's really where the journey started. Uh, fast forward to the sugar pill days. I was very much into punk rock because of one of my other best friends, Jake Roussel, who is just this magnificent force in the punk community. Gosh, he taught me about L7, Bikini Kill, um, Gosh, the Misfits, the Ramones, like all that stuff, all of the household names that we know and enjoy today. He was the person that educated me about punk. So I had very kind of like, I had my hands in all the different categorical pots and nothing really stuck until I heard Dark Throne. (laughs) I had never been moved uh, by metal that way. Like the first song I heard was in the shadow of the horns. And I was like, what is this? I don't understand why my whole body is on fire. Like I need this genre. What is that? And it took me a while to realize what I was responding to was black metal and everything that comes with black metal. Uh, (laughs) you having to do your own research and making sure you are in the right community or the right room when you are uh, engaging with that music in the different communities. But yeah, Dark Throne split my head in two and I have not stopped being a black metal fan. I'm still learning to this day about different bands and that's really what happened. Jimi Hendrix did this to me. Well, Bevan Reagan and Jimi Hendrix did this to me, so. Thank you, Bevan, wherever you are. <laughs> I love that. And I hope somehow Bevan hears this. Think, you know, from that history that you have and you loving all sorts of genres of rock and metal, it comes through in your performance on stage, the intensity and the fun, but also, you know, sometimes it looks like you're almost in a trance-like state. And with that, all those influences, I was going to ask you, the fun question, the question that all musicians love to answer. What genre or genres would you consider fun breaker? And I'm interested to hear too, because I get very different things from y'all's music. Yeah, that's a great question. So according to the Austin Chronicle, uh, we are a psychedelic rage punk band. And I tend to agree. During our live performances, we do like to incorporate a we like to incorporate samples that kind of like help us play up that psychedelic um, sound. It's really fun, but I hope that it's not too terribly on the nose, but I mean, Kieran and Patrick, they make a lot of the music for those samples. And so it's super trippy on purpose. The rage element, I think just comes from me as a black woman in America having to essentially smile when it hurts a lot of the time. I think that would probably be the best way of describing our sound. And if there is a genre, then, I mean, if there's a genre for us to be thrown into, I would definitely say it's psychedelic rage punk. 
But for all intent and purposes, we tend to label ourselves as a hardcore punk band. Um, it's a little bit more digestible for people to uh, understand when they first kind of see like this black chick and long haired metal dudes. So <laughs> it's um, that's like the most that's the quick way of describing us is that, you know, hardcore punk. But yeah, people also have been saying that we're a metal band. And I'm like, I appreciate that with all of my heart. However, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that label because of how nuanced metal can be. I don't, I don't know if Bondbreaker necessarily falls into any of those categories. I mean, for instance, we were, I just, one of my friends on Facebook posted about Obsequier and he was like, I don't even know like what genre this is. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's castle metal. And then I was like, oh man, you sound like an elitist. You're talking about castle metal. <laughs> so, but I am, I'm correct. He, he confirmed that it is castle metal, but I just don't see how Bondbreaker could fit into metal. Maybe one day, maybe one day we'll like, you know, make the switch. But right now I have to say confidently that we are a psychedelic rage punk band. See, I love your explanation of your genre. I think it really sums up how emotional your band is. And what sticks out to me is your vocal delivery because your vocal delivery breaks the genre norm for heavy music. When you're hearing most heavy bands, um, a lot of the time you'll hear just like a straight, gritty, distorted, death growl vocal. And don't get me wrong, obviously I love that kind of vocal. I think it can convey emotion, but the way that you deliver your vocal, sometimes you break the grit and it sounds like you're speaking, but speaking with conviction. You might even be yelling. You might even be raising your voice. And it fits in with the rage. I've noticed in a lot of your press and a lot of your shows, you talk about the message of your songs. And I was going to ask you, um, was there anybody in your discovery of rock and metal music that influenced that kind of emotional raw vocal delivery? That's an, that's a really good question. Um, and a very challenging one to answer, which makes it a great question. So I think, you know, the one person that comes to mind for me is Henry Rollins. He has this way of delivering messages that are super powerful, but melodic at the same time. You know, he does his like spoken word delivery, but the way that he does it is so it's very specific. It's to the point. And there, there's no room for confusion about where he lies, whether that's, you know, a personal conviction, a political conviction, whatever it may be, you know what you're going to get when you hear Rollins. So I wanted to be a vocalist and a lyricist that kind of leaned into that style. I never thought of myself as like a spoken word poet or anything like that, but I do enjoy the cadences that I hear uh, a lot of spoken word artists deliver when they're, you know, in the coffee shop or on stage. I, I like that. It resonates with me and I wanted to do it. I wanted to take those influences and add that like black metal scratch to it. Like I love I love Holder. Like, I love Holder. I think her voice is incredibly unique. 
for a genre that has bands attempting to perfect it over and over and over again. But the way that she has this incredible grit, as you say, grit, and then there's this escapist snarling that she does with her vocal cadences. I was like, I, I want to do that. How do I combine Holder and Henry Rollins? Another um, vocalist that I really, really admire and look up to still to this day is Morgan from Kitty. I think that she has the perfect voice. I mean, of course, you, Kitty, you have a perfect voice. And when it comes to like an inspiration, a vocal inspiration, I think about Charlotte, that song Charlotte that they do, because it's so beautiful and her clean vocal delivery is just heartbreaking. And then she just burst out into this wild child of just fucking ferocity. And I think it's like if I could find a way to marry those three influences and like really put that in my body and my vocal delivery and my performance. And I will, I might, I might hang it up. I might retire. (laughs) So yeah, hopefully that answers the question without rambling on too much about how deeply obsessed I am with those people. (laughs) I thought it was perfect. You have to pay tribute to your rock and and metal idols. Yeah. I love Morgan. (laughs) Speaking of this, not trying to make you uncomfortable or anything, but whenever I go to your shows, I do kind of think of you as iconic. I think of you as somebody who would probably be, well, you're definitely an influence to me. I know to a lot of people. And I think, I know you're probably a role model to like the younger generation out there. Um, Not just, you know, your stage look, your vocals, your performance, but also, like you said, the courage to stand in your convictions lyrically on stage and publicly. And I think as women of color in rock and metal music, you know, it can be like more eyes on you and people might consider you to be more, I guess, quote unquote, brave for being out there. So I guess my question to you is in the context of your social awareness in your music and your lyrics, how would you feel or how would you react to being told you were an influence or a role model to someone in the audience? I would react very positively and very warmly. Um, I mean, that's really all you could ever want is to write something and compose something and then play something that resonates with another person. I mean, that's why we do this, you know? So yeah, number one, thank you for saying that. I am grateful to you for that. But yeah, I, I'm hopeful that people can, they can hear what we are communicating, which is to not only believe in the power of your own voice, but to just believe in something, you know, to stand up for something. I, I tend to believe that, especially in America, since we're in North America, I tend to believe that we have been kind of thrown into this really ridiculous politicized system uh, where we have to choose sides. We have to say, it's red or it's blue or it's green or whatever the, whatever the fuck it's supposed to be. And the older I get, the more I realize that all those colors 
mesh together and form a poo stain brown. It's all a bunch of bullshit. You know, we are all kind of like being pitted against each other and it's ridiculous. I feel like that needs to come across in music. I think you need to say firmly, there are just things I can't abide by. And I no longer subscribe to this system. I'm not saying that you shouldn't vote. I'm not saying you shouldn't exercise that right. If you do have that right, I'm saying to be mindful of the politicized parties. I'm saying be be mindful of the decisions that you make with your tax dollars. I'm saying be mindful of your neighbor. (laughs) Pay attention to what's happening around you. It's not so much about, quote unquote, doing your own research. It's about walking outside, looking at your fellow human and just understanding we're all in it together. And this is some crazy shit. Us being on a rock, we're literally spinning around in space. We have no idea where we're going. And you're going to fight me because of the color of my skin. You got, you got some shit going on there with you, you know? So like, yeah, if somebody can hear that in our songs and that resonates with them and it makes them think a little differently, they're probably going to get a high five and a hug. So I know that was a ramble, but that's how I feel about it. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care what side you're on. Just know that I'm your fellow human. And if you need something, I'm going to do my best to amplify your need so that you get what it what what are you asking for so that's it (laughs) see I love it I wish like you said more people could hear that message and I think you're really playing a big role in it and so we just have a short time together for everyone who wants to hear you new music um, I just wanted to catch up with you real quick about what's next for y'all yeah so um We're going to be playing several shows in May. Um, We're playing a new venue, new to us venue called the House of Commons. I believe that's over on campus. That should be a lot of fun. I I used to go there all the time as a UT student. That is the place. I'm so excited. It's going to be really fun. I'm really looking forward to it. And then we're going to be um, also providing support for HR from the Bad Brains, one of the most controversial figures in punk rock to this day. (laughs) So yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be amazing. Like, can I just say something about HR real quick? (laughs) The floor is yours. So um, I know that his presence in Austin is going to cause a lot of conversation. And I, I just, I respect HR as a living legend. I've watched documentaries about him and I've read articles about him. And, you know, of course there's the infamous Austin incident that occurred. Um, And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google HR from the bad brains and I'm sure it's going to come up for you. But I just want to be very frank and I'm happy that we're talking about this. I think it's, I think it's unfair to color a man as the villain for something that he's done, what, 40 plus years ago. I think it's very, I think it could be very misguided to persecute a person for the sins of their youth and to expect for them to kind of like whip themselves over and over again for something 
that might actually be a very regretful moment in their own personal history. So I don't excuse the behavior of HR during that time period, but I also want to challenge people who think poorly of him to start asking questions of the people that were there. What would make a young black man and his young black bandmates respond in such a dramatic and intense fashion? And there are so many people that have given their accounts, but I think to just be villainized over and over again for something that happened in the past is a, it's a mistake. And I think people need to think about their own personal history. Think about the shit that wakes them up in the middle of the night. Like, oh, I wish I would have handled that differently. I wish I would have done something different. You can extend the same grace to him. So that's how I feel about that. (laughs) Amen. You were, you know, we were talking just now about things not being black and white. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we are in the grand scheme of things in the universe for little tiny, you know, little creatures on the rock ball. We need to extend grace to each other. Because like you said, we've all done things that we're not proud of. But one thing I love about you is you do support people in trying to make themselves better. Or in my case, you like condone my bad behavior and tell me I'm amazing when you know that what I'm doing is not right. And you condone it anyway. And that's why we're friends. Well, that's because I'm petty. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's that's what that is. Like, I will always encourage your petty side, Uh, hopefully not to your own detriment. But yeah, um, you know, I've I've done things that people have written me off. Like I don't there are people that still don't talk to me. There are people that still don't acknowledge me because of mistakes that I've made. And hey, more power to them. But I mean, we're talking about somebody that changed the face of the genre. Okay, we're talking about a trailblazer. And no, you don't have to excuse any behavior and you don't have to be accepting of actions but you do need to recognize real when it's in front of you. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm so proud to be playing my music in the same room as a living legend. And that's going to be at kick butt. And thank you so much, Danimal, for giving me and our band the opportunity to do something so incredibly important. Yes. And if people want to see all of your shows coming up, hear all of your music, where can they go online to get connected to y'all? Yes, the best place is Instagram. You can also go to our Bandcamp. I think it's just bondbreaker.bandcamp.com. We're also on Facebook. We're also on Twitter. So yeah, keep up with us there. And we also have a website, bondbreaker.com. So you can see all of the cool stuff that we do on that website too. So Dee, thank you so much for being here with me. I had a blast. I feel like there's so much we could talk about. Is there anything that I missed that you want to talk about? Anything at all? Uh, No. I mean, I just like, (laughs) I just yelled into your ear about how much HR means to me. So, uh, (laughs) um, oh, you know what? I think it'd be, I think it'd be really cool to talk about some other bands that I like. I don't know. Yes, please. (laughs) So, Okay. I'm biased. You know how much I love Flooded Tomb. You know that. Okay. So whatever. I think it's, oh, you know what? Another thing I would like to say, I love all these different bands. I love Flooded Tomb, Day Eater, um, shoot, who else? Sex Cult, Hell Fury. Oh my gosh. Um, Pleasure Venom. 
fuck money, black mercy, dregs, pussy Gillette. Like I can go off and just name all of these different bands that I love. But I think the most important thing that needs to be said about all of these bands is that the only way for them to continue playing is for people to physically go see them. So that's like my biggest thing. I know how hard it is to get people into the room. And I really love showing up for other bands because it's hard. It's not, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you're in a band. So you're just out there, you're having fun and you, you get your pictures taken and all that kind of cool stuff. And it's like, uh, actually I'm in my house most of the time, like slaving away and trying to like figure out how should I arrange the song? How should I promote the fact that we're going to be playing when I know that social media is those platforms are stacked against me because they're going to bury my posts. So musicians are doing so much of that heavy lifting, so much of that managerial work and admin work. It's not all fun and games. So I think it's just really, really important for people to go to other bands' shows, support fellow artists. It's so freaking important. You know, when I see you out there, when I see, when I see Bobby at the shows, when I see Kim Whitehead at the shows, when I see people in the room supporting us, that makes the performance worth it for me. I know that the music is going to be there. I know that we can execute these songs, but when there are people there ready to receive what we're doing, it's so powerful and it makes you feel so close to the people in that that space. So I just, you know, if you're listening to this and I feel, you know, you feel like I'm preaching at you, it's probably because you're a person that actually goes to the venues to see the bands that you like. But I want to say to other musicians, if you're listening to this, go to other people's shows. It is so important. And I mean, you never know. You could end up playing with those people that are in the room. And even if that's not your goal, you might make a a, a brand new friend. So just go support people. It's super important. And it really does make all the difference. I love that. We do have an amazing metal and rock punk community here in Austin. And speaking of that, we've come to fan question time. And the question is from Dustin. Oh, Lord, the Invisalign. Dustin. Dustin from Pero Amargo, one of the bands that we both love here. And so to uh, to put this in context, your mic cable is wrapped in a very heavy-duty chain. And you use it as a stage prop to great effect. So Dustin from Pero Amargo asked, did you have to register your microphone cable as a lethal weapon? That's a great question, Dustin. And thank you for asking it. I love Pero Amargo, by the way. We saw them last night at Valhalla with phase four. So no, I didn't. (laughs) That chain cable was actually gifted to me by Adrian Benavides, who is kind of like our unofficial, official photographer, videographer, sound person for Bondbreaker, um, and also a very dear friend to me and Kieran. It's actually, <laughs> that chain is a lot of fun to perform with, and uh, I'm, I might have to register it as a weapon, since we are in the state of Texas and they like to know 
who has what in their house, who's doing what. So I don't know, Dustin. I might have to go down to the courthouse and get her registered. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for being here with me. I had a blast. Everybody go check out her band Bondbreaker. And just remember, there's no E after the K and the R. It's Bondbreaker. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, G. Thank you, Kitty. Thank you for having me. Bye, everyone.